0: Welcome to episode one of Scratching and Surviving, a podcast about good times. I'm your host, Danielle Little, otherwise known as the Cubicle Chick, alongside my producer, Chris. Chris, what's up?
1: Not a thing. Not a thing at all. It's good to see your face in person.
0: Oh, thank you. It's good to see yours too. COVID was coveting, so we couldn't get together. A
1: lot of virtual going on. <laughs> That's all there was. This is this is live, in person, in studio, so we're, we're here. Uh, you look wonderful. It's been, like I said, it's... Couple years. Yeah. It's been two years in person. It has
0: been two years in person. So yeah,
1: it has been. Thank
0: you for for coming out of hibernation for me to do the podcast. <laughs> it wasn't
1: to me, uh but I, you know, like everybody else, we did a lot of other things during that time, yes. which means sitting here in Zoom with uh, a shirt on and shorts.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm so over Zoom right now. But anywho, you may be wondering why I created a podcast about the 70 sitcom Good Times. Um, My answer is a pretty easy one. Hands down it is one of my favorite shows of all time. I know almost every episode by heart and I can recite it pretty much line by line. I've been watching it since I could remember. And anyone who really knows me, they know that good times is my thing. I went on Twitter recently and tweeted, I want to start a Good Times podcast. Would you listen? And I really wasn't expecting hardly anyone to reply because, you know, Good Times is kind of very niche down. But to my surprise, I got a lot of responses. And with that crowdsourcing science, my friend, I opened my MacBook and began writing the script for the first episode. And here we are. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes, let's dive into some Good Times history before we go any further. Now, according to Wikipedia, Good Times is an American television sitcom that aired for six seasons on CBS from February 8th, 1974 to August 1st, 1979. Created by Eric Monte and Mike Evans and developed by executive producer Norman Lear, it was television's first African-American two-parent family sitcom. Good Times is a spin-off of Mod, which itself is a spin-off of All in the Family, making Good Times the first television spin-off from another spin-off. The first two episodes are notable for their strong liberal socio-political stance, representing an attitude of 1970s progressivism. Say that 3 times.
1: Progressiveism. So I want to make sure I got this clear because this, I didn't know this. It was a spin-off from a spin off, but I didn't even know this was a spin off from Maud. Yes. I never knew that. Yep. But that came from All in the Family? Yes. Okay, that's that's a lot to follow the tree.
0: It's it's a lot, and we'll the longer we go, hopefully with this this uh, podcast, the more we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the behind the scenes. Okay. But I'm just giving you some some that's quick yeah, okay. some quick knowledge. Uh, Florida and James Evans and their three children live at 921 North Gilbert Avenue, Apartment 17C, in a public housing project in a poor black neighborhood in inner city Chicago. The project is unnamed on the show, but it is implicitly the infamous Cabrini Green Homes shown in the opening and closing credits. Florida and James have three children, James Jr. known as JJ, Thelma and Michael, whose passionate activism causes his father to call him the militant midget. Episodes of Good Times deal with characters' attempts to overcome poverty, living in a high-rise project building in Chicago. James Evans often works at least two jobs, mostly manual labor, such as dishwasher, construction labor, etc. And though he is often unemployed, he's a proud man who will not accept charity. He sometimes hustles money playing pool, although his wife, Florida, disapproves of this. Now, Good Times has been in rerun syndication for years, starting in the early 80s. It can currently be seen now on TV One and Get TV and streaming on Peacock and Amazon Prime. So if you want to watch along with me, those are the places that you can see it. And I can't really tell you why I love this show, Chris. I mean, it isn't the best written or the funniest (laughs) of its era, right? But the acting... Sometimes, especially at the beginning with the kids, it's pretty terrible too. Um, And it's not what you would consider must see TV, but it's something about it that makes me like warm and fuzzy when I watch. It's like putting on a well worn blanket, one that isn't the prettiest or the nicest, but it makes you feel good when you place it over you. This is how I feel about Good Times. Its memorable theme song may be one of the reasons Good Times is so beloved. The gospel-styled song was composed by Dave Grusin with lyrics by Allen and Marilyn Bergman. It was sung by Jim Gilstrap and Motown singer Blinky Williams with a gospel choir providing background vocals. The lyrics to the theme song are notorious for being hard to discern. Notably, the line, hanging in a chow line is really hanging in a jive in. but people sing it wrong all the time. I know I've seen it wrong from time to time. Um, so Chris, let me ask you, are you, were you, and are you a Good Times fan?
1: Well, I was. I, I didn't even know it was streaming still first in other places. So that's new. I mean, I have Prime and stuff. I didn't know it was there. But yeah, I used to watch it all the time. And it did really the early episodes. Yeah, they, they were a little weak in the acting. But also I understand, I guess the writing was new, which is weird because shows today are so Good in the beginning writing, it mm-hmm. seems, and then the later falls when the writers change. This one was the opposite, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know. A, well, a lot of things you said already, I didn't know, and I want to spoil later stuff. So everyone knows I haven't read ahead, so I don't know what she's going to talk about, but there's a lot of questions I have already about the show. But so the lyrics how many things you think you were saying wrong in the lyrics?
0: I think I was singing the whole thing wrong. The whole thing? Like, especially when I was younger. Like, I had no idea what what a lot of these... We make everything up. Temporary uh, layoffs. I think I thought he was saying temporary payoffs. Like, I didn't know. And easy credit ripoffs. I thought she was saying... I don't know what I thought she was saying, but... uh, you know, you live and learn, and then you just watch a gazillion times like me, and then you, you kind of know, you you learn the right yeah, lyrics. Uh, yeah, I, okay. So
1: <laughs> Now you want me to go look up some of the lyrics? Yeah, and we'll and do that later. Yeah, we'll and do and that later. But Now you got me <laughs> concerned. I've been saying the wrong stuff all the yeah, time.
0: Probably, but it's all good. Okay. We all, we've all done it. This podcast was created for the Good Times enthusiast and audiophile to unite and discuss this treasured show that is still beloved to this day. So on this episode, episode one, we will be discussing one of Good Time's most popular episodes called The Nude. Now, The Nude was the 16th episode of season two. It was taped on December 12th, 1974 in front of a live audience at Television City and aired on CBS on January 14th, 1975. Now, it was written by Dick Bensfield and Perry Grant and directed by Herbert Kenwith, who would direct a total of 57 episodes of the Good Time series. And he also went on to direct shows such as Gimme a Break, Mary Tyler Moore, Private Benjamin and Star Trek. He directed the very first episode of the soap opera. Young and the Restless. Oh wait,
1: one question because people may not know, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where is Television City?
0: It is in uh, California, Hollywood, California, it is Hollywood. and it's um, it's still there's still shows okay. that are taped there to this day. Okay. But it was a central hub for a lot of CBS shows back in the day.
1: Okay, I just I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I figured it was California, but I didn't know exactly where it was.
0: Sure, okay, just curious. Yeah, so here's the plot summary: A woman known in the projects as the Wiggler <laughs> as JJ to paint a nude portrait of her as a birthday gift for her husband. However, Florida has a hard time understanding why a woman would pose in the nude and why she has to pose in the Evans apartment. Meanwhile, Florida is also not too happy that James is taking such a liking to the Wiggler. The episode guest stars Carl Weathers as Calvin Brooks, Charlene's husband, and Betty Bridges as Charlene Brooks, a.k.a. The Wiggler. And here's some trivia for you. Betty Bridges is the mother of actor Todd Bridges, who later plays Willis Drummond on another Norman Lear show you may know called Different Strokes. Okay, one question. Yes.
1: Just I'm forgetting all that. Even though you just dropped that bomb of who she was, in any previous episodes... Was he JJ ever painting like for real? Like people knew him as a good painter.
0: Oh yeah, that's what
1: he stood in the window and did. I just want to make sure people understand that it was a thing he did. He
0: that was going okay. to be their ticket or his ticket out of the ghetto was his painting, um, which okay. is shown in the opening and closing credits. Right. Um, and yeah, he is known for his painting. Like that's the one. JJ is not the brightest bulb mm-hmm. in in the light uh, in the light fixture, but he is a very talented artist. Does
1: he print, paint in real life? Actually? No, he didn't paint oh, in real life. Okay. We'll
0: talk about who actually really did paint those okay. in real life.
1: I just follow this, I'm like, okay, that's really impressive. So, okay, that makes sense. Okay, right, I'm so,
0: <laughs> so let's break down the episode. JJ steps off the elevator in full strut mode, practicing how he is going to tell his mother about an offer that he could not refuse. After a few moments, JJ's younger sister, Thelma, holding a bag of groceries, catches him talking to himself and makes fun of him. He discloses that Mrs. Brooks, a.k.a. The Wiggler, wanted to pay him to paint a portrait of her in the nude as a gift to her husband. Thelma thinks it's a good idea, but knows that their mother isn't going to go for that at all. They both burst into their apartment where the door is always unlocked, even though they live in a violent project (laughs) where where the warlords and other gangs break out into fights on many occasions like they never the door was never locked. But anyway, Thelma is quick to tell their church going and God fearing mother the news. But JJ makes every attempt to stop her. I just want to give her the bare facts. Thelma exclaims. Thelma, will you shift your lips into park? J.J. interrupts. J.J. shares with his mother and father that he has been commissioned for a portrait painting and he's getting $50 to paint it. With an adjustment for inflation, $50 in 1975 is worth about $275 today. Back then, $50 was a nice chunk of change for a high school senior living in the projects. Like $50 to my 18-year-old daughter is like nothing, but back in the day, $50 was a lot of money. Uh, J.J. then discloses that the portrait would be nude. Both James and Florida put their foot down, but surprisingly, Thelma backs her brother and says that there is nothing wrong with a nude painting because art is a form of expression. J.J. appeals to his father, saying that he should understand how hard it is to make $50 and that amount could help him stock up on art supplies and other items that he needed. Florida is disgusted that a grown married woman like the Wiggler would ask an 18 year old to paint her so suggestively. Florida says she's shaped like Jello on a roller coaster. Insert laugh here. JJ continues to beg his parents to let him paint her. And James finally relents and tells JJ to go into their bedroom while they both discuss it. Because back in the day, that's what they would do, right? Go to go to the room. Let us. Let us talk amongst ourselves. Never in
1: front of the kids. No. There was very rarely they have an argument.
0: (laughs) The youngest son, Michael, enters the apartment and he overhears his parents talking, which they stop doing because they don't want him ear hustling. They send Michael to the other room as well. And James begins to reason that JJ is harmless and he should be able to paint Mrs. Brooks if he wanted to. Art is the one thing that J.J. is good at, and James knows it, uh, and it helps keep J.J. on the straight and narrow path and out of trouble. After some negotiating, they both agree to let J.J. paint Mrs. Brooks in the nude. J.J. runs out of the bedroom where he's had his ear against the door with his trademark. Dynamite! (laughs) J.J. picks up the phone to call Mrs. Brooks to tell her that they were on for the painting. Mr. Brooks answers, so he tells him that he is Mrs. Brooks' hairstylist. And after she comes to the phone, he finalizes the arrangements and tells her to bring the down payment. James begins pulling at his belt, excited about the prospect of seeing Mrs. Brooks when she comes to the apartment to make the payment. J.J. opens the door and Mrs. Brooks in all of her glory comes in and J.J. introduces her to his parents and James is beaming. Mr. Evans, J.J. didn't tell me you
1: had such a handsome father. Uh,
0: Mrs. Brooks brings a $25 down payment and they begin to schedule the sitting for the portrait. She asks for the address to his studio and J.J. says, you have the address right here. Oh, you have the address right here. Here? Here? Here, Here J.J. Here? Florida does not want Mrs. Brooks standing in the nude in her living room while J.J. paints her portrait. She has a family to think about they spend the next moments discussing how and where the portrait can be done and frustrated mrs brooks wants to cancel the whole thing and jj feeling dejected goes from smiling ear to ear to being miserable after some quick thinking florida comes up with a solution why not do the portrait in a bathing suit which could give the portrait more mystery that way the painting could be done there and she could still have a portrait to give to her husband Mrs. Brooks agrees and the painting is back on. James is strutting like a peacock with this latest development. Now, here is a commercial from 1975, the year this episode was filmed.
1: Chunk after chunk after chunk. Campbell's Chunky Soups. So chunky you'll be tempted to eat them with a fork. Dig into chunky beef and you'll come up with chunks of beef, carrots, and potatoes. It's a main dish in a bowl or dig into chunky turkey. It's more than a soup, it's chunky. So hearty you can build a meal around it. Campbell's Chunky Soup, so chunky you'll be tempted to eat them with a fork, but use a spoon. You'll want to get every drop.
0: In the next scene, it's portrait day and JJ is preparing his paint and easel for his session with Mrs. Brooks. James gives him tips about how to stay cool and calm while painting a woman and JJ takes it all in stride. He tells his dad that he knows what he is doing because, well, he is a professional. Mrs. Brooks knocks on the door and JJ answers it in his usually flamboyant way. Mrs. Brooks is covered in a winter coat and removes it to unveil her one piece bathing suit that hugs all of her curves. I mean, she is called the Wiggler. J.J. takes one look at Mrs. Brooks in her bathing suit and falls to the floor, knocking down his easel and canvas. James rushes to his side to help his son gain his composure. Now, J.J. recovers and Mrs. Brooks asks J.J. how she should pose. He is speechless as she transitions from one pose to another pose. And finally, she finds one that he can paint. Do you think my husband will like my birthday present? Mrs. Brooks asks them. James answers quickly.
1: Yes, Lord.
0: The phone rings and James answers it, saying, No, 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 of course that's not Florida. JJ, pull the shades down. Florida is upset that he was so quick to deny it was her. And she lets James know it. He tries to rebound, but instead sits down at the table and hands Florida his coffee cup saying, this stuff is cold. Get me another cup of thigh, will you? In the next scene, JJ and the Wiggler are wrapping up their session and JJ goes to the bedroom to grab some more paint to finish. It appears that Florida and James are no longer at home. When J.J. exits, Mrs. Brooks puts on her coat and attempts to take a sneak peek at the painting, but there's a knock at the door. She goes to open it and in barges her husband, Calvin, who has tracked her down. He instantly thinks that she is messing around and having an affair. J.J. comes out of the bedroom and says, well, let's get at it. And Calvin thinks that this is the man his wife has been cheating on him with. This beats my time, he asks, looking at J.J. up and down in his skinny yet colorful outfit befitting an artist. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, you're messing around with this mess of bones. <laughs> J.J. tries to clear his name by saying that there is nothing going on between him and Mrs. Brooks. He's merely an artist capturing her on canvas. Calvin begins grabbing J.J. by his painting duds and J.J. attempts to flee by running towards the door. James and Florida both enter as Calvin prepares to handle JJ. James lets Calvin know that he wouldn't be laying another hand on his son. Yeah, well just lighten up brother because this brown bag of bones happens to be my son. That's right, you look, you dad got Florida grabs the painting JJ was working on and shows it to Calvin and Mrs. Brooks shares that the painting was supposed to be a birthday present for him. Calvin is taken aback first, but loves the painting, even though JJ embellished it, uh, giving Miss Brooks a look in a two piece bikini and not the one piece that she was really wearing. Calvin was happy that his wife commissioned the painting, and Mrs. Brooks is happy with the results. JJ, you're a genius. I know. <laughs> The credits, and they look at the painting together, marveling at JJ's work. So, what do you think about this episode, Chris? The,
1: there's a lot that goes <laughs> on. Um, so, first thing was how did he track her down? Let, I mean, let's think about this. this there was the back in the day, there was no phones, mm-hmm. there was no. I, he just randomly tracked her down, and you brought up a great point that is I saw in other shows later. We don't think about it. their door was open,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Seinfeld. What was the other ones? The new, but the people just, they walk in, right? Some <laughs> areas you'd expect, what was it? Uh, Fresh prints, right? They just walk in the door. But these, they do just walk in the door. You mm-hmm. never hear a key. You never hear a rattle. Nothing. No. That's, that is that is kind of wild based upon where they're living. But the whole point about him, you know, both the dad and him talking to her. And then Michael had no, no feelings whatsoever about anything. Just wanted to sit there and listen. It's yeah. the weirdest scenario entirely <laughs> that they do in the room. I do like the part that I do remember this episode now that he painted a bikini on her instead, mm-hmm. even though she wasn't wearing it. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten all about that Yeah, until you just said
0: yeah. that. You know, JJ always had to put his spin on things, right? Like artistically, yeah. like he never painted it as it looked. He would always, his paintings were always a little on the, you know, creative side, and which 50, made him... That, that was a lot. Yeah. You
1: it. They, I remember them talking about in some episodes, groceries and stuff. That's like a huge amount back then Mm -hmm. of money to spend on all that. Exactly.
0: Um, This is one of my favorite episodes because by the second season, the cast knew how to work well together. And I believe the comedic timing was on point. Um, it's hilariously funny, uh, but also shows just how much the Evans family cares about JJ's talent as an artist. And um, this brings us to the end of this podcast, but not the end of my Good Times exploration because episode two will be coming soon and features my favorite episode from season one. uh You want a hint?
1: I want a hint. You want need, a hint? I, well, I need a hint because I don't remember what what order. Anyway, remember. I've never watched it from in order from beginning sure. to end like you do now. We binge watch everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't okay. even know what season half this stuff is.
0: Sure. Well, here's a hint. Okay. Florida has the opportunity to make five thousand dollars, but oh. she has to but she has to lie oh, to get it. It's not happening. Like,
1: we already know Florida. <laughs> I'm just in my head I'm going, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna think about it, but we know. Okay.
0: Yeah, she has she has to. So um I have a question for you guys. Which good times episode would you like me to discuss on a future episode? Podcast, let me know. Tweet me at the Cubicle Chick. uh Any closing words, Chris?
1: Uh, this is a very interesting thing to pick and a genre to pick in relationship to stuff going on still today. Like the family unit over the past two years changed a lot, right? Mm-hmm. There was families who weren't doing anything together. Now you just spent two years together and it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing more and more of that. So this is gonna be very interesting to see if we can get and I like the way you did the relationship of how much the money was inflation wise, because what would that five thousand be up oh, for the next when mm-hmm. you get to that episode? How Ye- much will that be? Yeah. in today's money because if fifty was what, two fifty?
0: Two seventy five. Two
1: dollars I can't five thousand. <laughs> I'm not gonna do yeah, I imagine it would be a huge jump for some people. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well till next time keep those afros fresh and your disco turned all the way up. Later.